I'll read verses 34 and 35 and 36. And then we'll, we'll include them as we study the beginning of First Peter together. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. In the book of 1 Peter, we have an introduction to the book that is very sweet um, and that gives us some of the basics of the gospel, the, the most fundamental things that we need to know and remember. Um, and then the book moves on to much meatier, deeper content. <laughs> and yet, there's a reason that Peter introduces the book, that he starts the same way that Paul does in most of his letters, um, with the sweet kind of joyous declaration of the basics of the gospel. Okay, so keeping in mind what Jesus said there in John about the son versus the slave, let's now read 1 Peter 1, 1 through 5. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This is the word of the Lord. So what this passage teaches us is that we are getting an inheritance. We are getting an inheritance. Now, do slaves get an inheritance? Slaves don't get an inheritance. Who gets the inheritance? Sons, that's right. Who said me? I I saw that. (laughs) One of the youngest. (laughs) Me? Who gets the inheritance? Not the slaves, but the sons get the inheritance. Now, in this, in this brief passage, we see 
like I said, some of the most basic fundamental truths of the gospel message. The truth that our salvation is from the Lord. The truth that our salvation is according to his power. That our salvation, this inheritance, is imperishable. Now, if you buy something at the grocery store and it's perishable, kids, what does that mean? It's perishable. What do you think? All right, Liam, go ahead. You're the only one who wants to answer. It means it can go to waste. It can go bad, right? And so what do you do with perishable things? You got to eat them up, right? And you might put them in the refrigerator to keep them from going bad as quickly as they would otherwise. Well, what we're talking about is something that is imperishable. Now, what does imperishable mean? It's the opposite of perishable. So if something is imperishable, it will never what? It will never go bad. It will never go bad. And if it will never go bad, that means we'll always have it. We won't have to throw it away, right? Well, this is something that we should have great joy in, that we should rejoice in, like Tom was exhorting us during the children's sermon, that there is, there is much to rejoice over. There is much for us to take joy in, in this passage. And it starts with the fact that we are getting an inheritance. By the way, one of the other beautiful things that you see in this passage is the doctrine of the Trinity. You see God the Father and the Holy Spirit and the Son in the description of their work as one God for us bringing about our salvation. And that's why when you bring up inheritance, it connects it first and most clearly to Jesus because Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. But it also says that we are getting an inheritance. We are getting an inheritance. So there's a few things that we have to note right away if we're getting inheritance, you got to ask yourself, who are you getting an inheritance from? Right? Is this an inheritance that you receive from your parents? Is that the kind of inheritance that this is? If your parents are Christians, do you inherit their salvation? No, you don't. So this is not an inheritance that we can receive, though they may and will pass the faith down to us. The inheritance of our salvation is something that we do not get from them, but that we get from our Heavenly Father. 
This is an, an inheritance from God the Father. And so all through Scripture where we see teaching about God, our Heavenly Father, all through Scripture where we see uh, reminders that we are to be sons to Him, all of this points to the fact that He is a Father who can pass down and will pass down an inheritance to His children. Now, if you have a really, really wealthy father, okay, you might receive a hundred acre woods as part of your inheritance. Or you might receive a nice big mansion, right? Or you might just get a very large bank account. But if you have a not so wealthy father, your inheritance might be uh, the couch in the living room, right? That belonged to his grandma, maybe. And you think, I'm not sure I want a couch that old. Well, you know what? We're talking about someone that's not quite as wealthy, right? But there's all kinds of levels of inheritance that we can receive, right? We can, we can think about the people who are inheriting millions and how they didn't work for it. Remember how he talked about how we like to look down on them? And then we can... We can think about those who receive maybe maybe just debt as an inheritance. That would be sad, wouldn't it? Just receiving debt. Debt and a lot of stuff in a house that has to be thrown away. And then the house has to be sold to pay off the debt and you're left with nothing. Now, why do I spend all this time talking about inheritance Because I want you to realize we're talking about God the Father. Now, what does God the Father have to give? Is he wealthy? Is he capable of passing on something worthwhile to us? Are we just going to get something that we didn't ever really care about, like a a worn-out couch? Are we just going to get debt? When God the Father says, I am going to pass on my inheritance to you. You open up your eyes wide and you think, whoa, God is going to give an inheritance to me? Now, when you go back to the Old Testament, you remember King David? And you remember that David said that he wanted to build a house for God, right? You remember this? David realized, here I am living in a house of cedar, and we've just got this tent, this tabernacle, that's housing the the dwelling place of God. This is crazy. I, I should build him a house. And God says, no, but I will build you a house. And you know what? David's eyes go wide open. God's gonna give me a house? God's going to give me a house? God's going to give me an inheritance? God, the creator? The ruler of the universe? The one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills? He's the one who's going to give me an inheritance? 
I was looking forward to getting a little bit in my bank account from my dad, but hey, you know what? Now this is an inheritance worth being excited about. So this is the inheritance from God the Father. Now what is the inheritance? Well, it's interesting. We we inherit our salvation. We inherit eternal life. Now, in a very real way, this is the same inheritance that God's only begotten Son received. Jesus was raised up from the dead, out of the pit, given life again, and he's never going to die. That's the inheritance that he received. That's the inheritance that we will receive. We will receive God's kingdom, and it starts by being able to enjoy it. And the only way you can enjoy it is if you are rescued from the pit of destruction, brought up into newness of life, and then given a house. This is the inheritance that he gives us. This is how we are able to receive that inheritance. Because imagine if, if your dad said, I'm going to leave everything to you. You get it all. I'm a billionaire and you can have it all. By the way, you have cancer. You're dying next week. Kind of puts a pall on the idea of getting the inheritance, doesn't it? That's a worthless inheritance. This is not a worthless inheritance that we're getting from God because he is giving us not just the promise of salvation, right? He's giving us the promise of eternal life to enjoy it. This inheritance is a beautiful, beautiful thing. This might be part of why Eutychus was excited to sit there listening to Paul until late in the night, right? We are getting an inheritance. God, the Father, is the one who passes on an inheritance. And who does he pass his inheritance on to? Only to his sons. Only to his sons. What do his enemies receive? Do they receive a lesser part of the inheritance? A not as good inheritance? You know, silver instead of gold? No, his enemies receive his wrath and his punishment. So if you're going to receive an inheritance, you have from the Father. You have to be the son of the Father. Now how in the world can we be sons Of God. Jesus, in our passage in John that we read for the scripture lesson, talks a lot about this, you know, who's a son of whom, right? The Jews being a son of their father, the devil, who was a liar from the beginning. Yikes. Not not exactly an exciting thing to be the son of him. What is his inheritance? 
that he will pass on. The only thing he has to give is God's wrath, because God's wrath is going to be poured out on him, and he will be cast into the lake of fire, and all his sons will go with him. So how can we be sons of God instead of sons of the devil? Well, if we are born again, right? This is how you become a son in the first place, right? You're born, and then you are a son to somebody. And in the New Testament, what we have is this description of becoming sons of the Heavenly Father by being born again, born as his sons this time. Born as sons of God. That is necessary if you are going to receive an inheritance from him, right? Now, how... How can you possibly be born again? This is what Nicodemus asks earlier in the book of John, just just five chapters before we read this morning. I guess that means we read it five weeks ago. It's probably fresh in your minds, right? Nicodemus asks Jesus that. He says, how could I possibly be born again? Well, here we're given a little bit of an answer by Peter. What does he say? He says that we have been chosen, verse 1. This is who he's writing to. Peter, as an apostle of Jesus Christ, writing to people who are scattered all over the place. And by the way, isn't it a joy that we are not scattered all over the place right now? And next week we'll look at the possibility of being scattered all over the place because he begins to talk about their suffering that they're going on that's they're going through right now but here we are we're gathered we're gathered from more than one place to one location how beautiful is that we don't have to wait for the the letter to make its way around all over the place to all these different countries right and get copied down carefully and sent on to other places This is who he's writing to, people who are aliens scattered abroad, but who have been chosen, who have been chosen. Chosen by who? Chosen by God the Father. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, that's how We have been chosen. That's who has done the choosing. By the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. Okay? What does all of this mean? Well, think about an inheritance again. An inheritance is not something that you earn, is it? An inheritance is something that you are born into. You're born and it's yours. 
You didn't deserve it. It's automatic. You didn't have to work to get it. All you had to do, maybe, was keep from making your parents hate you so much that they removed you from their will. Don't do that, right? But you didn't have to earn it. You just had to keep from losing it. Now, in this case, we're going to talk about losing it in a little bit. But but first, you see this. Chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. In other words, we didn't earn it. God chose to give it to a particular people. A royal priesthood, a chosen race, set apart by himself. Now that is a sweet and wonderful, wonderful thing. Because if I told you, you're going to get an inheritance, but you have to earn it, you would say, that's not an inheritance. (laughs) Or that's what you should say, right? That's not an inheritance. That's a job. God the Father, when he decides to make us his sons, he reaches down, he chooses, and he says, live, be a son. And then you're alive, and you're his son, and you get his inheritance. He chose. Now, how can we get this inheritance of salvation? Well, it says that we receive it by faith. By faith. Now, when we, when we see this good news laid out before us, okay, when we see the reality of what we deserve and contrast that with this promised inheritance, okay, when we think about that, <clears throat> it can sometimes be a bit nerve-wracking for us. We can begin to wonder, can I actually get this inheritance? Maybe I'm going to lose it. Maybe, uh, Maybe I have to earn it after all, right? Maybe, Maybe God said he would give it, but, you know, I've had a lot of people tell me that they're going to do things and then not do them. Can I really trust him to give me this inheritance? And maybe it's not all it's cracked up to be anyway. Maybe you've heard people say, 
well, heaven sounds boring. Worshiping God all the time? I mean, or maybe, maybe you've thought, I know it sounds good, but I hate this person so much that if they're going to be there, I'd rather go to hell. These are all things that, that come to a point right in this passage where we're given these, these huge, huge promises, not just that we're going to receive the inheritance, but it's described in these amazing words. What, what is this inheritance that we're going to receive? How is it described? First, imperishable. We already started to talk about that, right? There is no way for this inheritance to be wrecked. There is no army that's going to come in and destroy heaven, ever. Right? It sounds crazy to say that, but I mean, this is the level at which we need to remember and think, you know, hey, No, nothing is going to mess up this inheritance. Nothing can. It's imperishable. And also undefiled. And also will not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. All of these descriptions are just, you know, Peter seeking to, in just, you know, five verses, give us so much so much of the gospel compacted down in, right? And he just doesn't want us to forget. He doesn't want us to doubt. He doesn't want us to wonder. He wants to drive home the point that it is for sure. And it is great. When he says that it's reserved in heaven for you, And you think of heaven and what little we know of heaven, things like streets paved with gold, right? And and you think, anything that's going to be reserved there for me, I'm going to like. But also, reserved there. Now, you remember when Jesus says, do not store up your treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But what are you supposed to do? Instead, store up your treasure in heaven. But why? Because thieves can't break in and steal. Moth and rust don't destroy, right? And it's going to be Safe. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, is what he concludes with, right? But you've got you to first understand and believe what he's saying about heaven and about treasures that are in heaven. If they're reserved there for us, if we have an inheritance reserved there for us, it's safe. Nothing can mess with it. Not only are there no armies that can get in, there's not even mold. There's no mildew. You don't have to worry about it going bad. It's 
Now, this word undefiled. To defile something is bad, isn't it? When the in the Old Testament we read about the promised land, the people that had been living in it before the Jews arrive, they had defiled the land. They had defiled the land. Their sin had been so great that they had ruined the land. The land itself was hurt by what they had been doing. And it was sick of them. The land was defiled. When uh, Joshua was done with Jericho after God had given it to them, Well, see, now I wish I had looked this up because I'm starting to doubt myself. I always do this in my sermons. But isn't it, isn't it Jericho that he, that he cursed? Yeah, okay, it is. Good. <laughs> he cursed the city of Jericho. He, he defiled it with his curse. And he said that if anybody rebuilt it, they'd start rebuilding with the loss of a son and they'd finish it with the loss of of a son. And we read of that happening to the city, to the man who eventually rebuilds the city of Jericho. And you think of land that was conquered and they would defile it by pouring salt into the fields so that you couldn't even grow food around the city, right? Now, what's the danger in our minds regarding our inheritance from God the Father? I think the single biggest danger, worry, fear regarding our inheritance in our minds is that I would defile it. That my sins have defiled it. Think about that. If you have fear regarding your inheritance from God the Father, probably your biggest fear is that you may defile your inheritance. This is part of the reason that the story of the prodigal son is such a powerful story because what did he do with his inheritance? He not only squandered his inheritance, spending it on worthless and sinful pleasures, right? But because they were sinful, he defiled his inheritance. He defiled himself. He was left feeding pigs. Are you concerned that your 
inheritance may be defiled? What did the prodigal son's father do when he came home to him? He welcomed him back with open arms. Did he say, yeah, 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 I know you're sorry, but now you're a slave? No, he welcomed him back with open arms. And this is why verse 5 is so beautiful. Because what does verse 5 say? You know, this inheritance is reserved for you in heaven. It's imperishable. It's undefiled. And you say, well, it was undefiled until I started doing that. Right? And he says, no. You, you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Not a salvation that you had for a brief while and now have lost. Not a salvation that is questionable if you do well enough, maybe you'll get it. Not a salvation that... uh, that is, um, you know, for people who do good enough at that obedience that we read about in verse 2, right? After all, chosen to obey, but I haven't been obeying. Protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. It's already ready. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, he said, it's ready. It's ready. The salvation is accomplished. It's ready to be revealed. So where... Where is your salvation? It's in heaven, right? That's where your salvation is. Now, can it be defiled? Can it perish there? Can somebody, can somebody destroy it there? No. If you put your faith in God, there is no lack of power for him to protect your salvation, for him to protect your inheritance, for him to keep it undefiled. It is... It is an inheritance for those who are sprinkled clean. Sprinkled clean. And so when Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood, it was so that we could be sprinkled clean. And if we have been sprinkled clean, then we are being sanctified by the work 
of the Holy Spirit. And what does sanctified mean? It means made more and more holy. More and more holy. And it leads us straight into that last little phrase in verse 2. To obey Jesus Christ. We must obey. Now, this is, this is our inheritance. It's imperishable. It is our salvation. It is, without a doubt, imperishable, undefiled. If Jesus Christ is raised, he will raise the rest of his sons. If Jesus Christ got the inheritance, we get the inheritance too. It's not like Jesus gets the inheritance early and then goes and squanders it. It's not like Jesus gets the inheritance early and then accidentally uh, loses a battle and gets it taken away from him. There is no doubt about whether he can hold it in trust for us, reserved in heaven. So, I mean, I keep, I keep saying that. I keep trying to drive that point home. And why? Well, because I know our fears. I know our doubts. I know that Satan is an accuser of the brethren. And I also know that if you begin to see that inheritance with wide open eyes, like, oh, right, an inheritance from God the Father, yeah, that's an inheritance worth having, right? When you begin to look at the inheritance of God and our faith that way, then obedience to Jesus Christ, who is the one who sprinkled you clean with his blood so that you can receive that inheritance, obedience to him will become a given, won't it? Obedience to him will be something that you want to do. Obedience to him will be something that you will be working towards with all your strength. We must obey. Not because by obeying we are saved. Nowhere do we see that in this passage. Not so that we'll be good enough so that God's foreknowledge will choose us. Nowhere do we see that. We must Obey, because how could we not? Think about the prodigal son. He comes back, right? His father welcomes him home with open arms, puts a ring on his finger, gives him clean clothes, throws a party for him, has a feast, and what's the prodigal son going to do after that? Is he going to go off again? Is he going to go off again and begin to be a wastrel with his life? No. 
It's no. That's right. He is going to obey his father from now on, isn't he? Isn't he? Now, do you have an inheritance from God? If you have received an inheritance from him, obey his son, Jesus Christ. Obey. Do it with joy. Look forward to that inheritance. And this is the grace and peace that Peter offers, commends to us, blesses us with at the start of his letter. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. When you know that you have an inheritance with God the Father, and then you begin to live according to his word, you have grace and peace. And you have it exceedingly, abundantly, beyond measure. And it doesn't matter that next week we're going to see that these guys that he's writing to are spread out all over the place and suffering. They know where their future is. They know what their inheritance is. And so, grace and peace to you. Let's pray.